Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Education is the key to life. The knowledge of God is the most important part of our education. There's knowledge of natural things and science, but there's also knowledge of spiritual things and the ways of God. Paul the Apostle writes about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and there are three gifts that have to do really with our intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. Let's look closely at the word of knowledge, the special gift or message of knowledge that God gives to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 7 and following, Paul talks about nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about the message and word and gift of knowledge. He writes, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good to one, that is to one person, to one believer. There's given through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, a message of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. We live in the information age. The Holy Spirit gives us special knowledge to make important life decisions. The gift of knowledge is divine information. Wisdom is intuition. Knowledge is information. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not the result of information gathered by study, which is important. But this is knowledge that God gives us by the work of the Holy Spirit, that we could not know these things apart from the Spirit. It's knowledge that we could not acquire through any other means. So this is a special grace, a special gift of knowledge that God gives us at specific, important, critical times in our life. While natural knowledge is important, we also need spiritual knowledge. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul is praying for believers. He says, may God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and revelation. That's insight, information into things so that we can truly see at a deeper level and understand things in a deeper way. God tells us in Psalm 46 and 10, be still and know that I'm God. My father told me that was his favorite verse in the Bible. Be still and know that I'm God. The psalmist speaks there of the knowledge and understanding of God. So get still in the presence of God and ask him to give you the information you need so that you have all the facts to make the important decisions of your life. The gifts of wisdom and knowledge protect us from outward deception and inward distractions. And sometimes we can't make good decisions because we're deceived, we're not seeing correctly, or someone's manipulating us externally, or internally we're distracted by worry and anxiety and fear, and we can't make good decisions when we are deceived or distracted. Now, when we put more stock in the knowledge of God than we do our own knowledge or the knowledge of others, then the Holy Spirit will teach us things and guide us into all truth. It is true that we've learned things, and that's important. It's true that other people counsel us and give us information. But your greatest trust needs to be in God speaking to you and the Word of God and the truth of God. When Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he talked about this as a fundamental element of his ministry to us is the impartation of knowledge and information. 
In John 14, 26, when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he said, when the Spirit comes, he will teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance that I have said to you. And there you see the Holy Spirit teaching us internally in our hearts and also improving our memory. We can recall things that God has done for us and revealed to us. In John 16, 33, Jesus went on to teach on the Holy Spirit and he said, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's an amazing statement that encompasses so many aspects of life. The Holy Spirit will guide you, direct you into all truth, all types of information that you need. Let's look at the definition of knowledge. Here we're talking about the message of knowledge or the word of knowledge, a special knowledge given at a particular point for a particular need. The Greek word gnosis is the root of our word knowledge and awareness. It has an emphasis on personal knowledge as opposed to merely intellectual knowledge, something that we, not just data we get or facts in our minds, but facts we understand. You ever had information given to you, but you don't understand it? That happens a lot to us in school. We were taking certain courses that we're not naturally oriented to, and we're gaining information. We're writing notes down. We're memorizing facts for a test, hoping we're going to pass it. But sometimes feeling like we don't completely understand the information. So knowledge is not just getting the facts and the information. It is understanding the information. You can read the Bible and pick up facts about God. But knowing God is at a far deeper level. And that's what true knowledge is. It's not just having the information, but understanding, having a deep understanding. The word of knowledge is divine information or data imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. It is an accurate awareness of facts and situation as they truly are. And it is the ability to know what's happening in a situation. The application of knowledge is so important. It's one thing to have knowledge. It's another thing to apply it. So knowledge supplies us with the raw data. But wisdom is the ability to apply that information to decision-making and action. These gifts, wisdom, and knowledge oftentimes move together. When we operate in gifts of wisdom and knowledge, we act with confidence because we know what to do. And that's the bottom line of these gifts. They are a special grace given to us for a particular situation in life, a crisis we might be facing, a challenge we might be facing, a great opportunity that's been given to us. We don't know what to do with it. But because we pray, we ask God, when the Holy Spirit gives a gift of wisdom and knowledge, we know what to do. We internally know it. We're not asking other people at that point. We, In our hearts, we are so convinced. We know what to do. This not been arrogant. It's giving God the glory. And it's a great place when you, as a parent, as a leader, as a minister in your work, when you know what to do, the decision to make, it's an amazing feeling of confidence. The end result of wisdom is peace with full assurance that we don't question our decisions or allow others to distract us or to detour us. Even when you have knowledge and wisdom operating in you from God, it doesn't matter what other people's opinions are, you are so convinced that this is the way to go. Now, how do we get this knowledge? The, how does the impartation of knowledge take place? Now, there are many examples of this gift of knowledge that appear in Scripture. This knowledge we're talking about is the work of the Holy Spirit, not the result of natural learning, study, education, 
which are all important. We're talking about a gift, a grace, an anointing that comes only from the Holy Spirit of God to us. The gift of knowledge is a divine deposit of information that you could never access by any other means. What is hidden to other people is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. The prophet Nathan in the Old Testament confronted King David with information about his moral failure with Bathsheba. David had kept this information hidden from everyone. He writes about that in Psalm 32, that he, he hid his sin, he hid his guilt, he covered it over, but maybe it was too painful for him to face. Nobody knew what took place. He had The, the whole thing was a master cover-up. His guilt ate away at him on the inside. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, 12 and verse 7, the prophet Nathan shows up one day and has a conversation with David. But it doesn't tell David about his sin. He knew exactly what happened because God gave the prophet Nathan the information. That's why he went to see him. God spoke to him and told the prophet what had happened. He went to the king, but he didn't confront David immediately. He tells him a parable about a wealthy man and a man who owned everything, had a huge farm. And there was one man next to him that had just a little small farm and small possessions. And But the man that had everything went and seized and took what the man with very little had. And David got angry at the story. He said, who's done this? And he said, you are the man. And David, the great king, with all that he had available to him, took another man's wife, a man who served faithfully in his army as a distinguished military leader. And he convicted David. Of course, that conviction led to his confession and his healing and his forgiveness and his repentance. How did Nathan know that? Nobody knew it. God revealed something to him that he had a private moment with the king. Nathan didn't get out and blab it. When God gives you wisdom and knowledge about something, especially about somebody else's, not to gossip. He didn't embarrass David. He went to him privately. But God used that gift of knowledge to help David stop hiding, to get, come to terms with what he's done so he can be restored. Jesus knew private information about the woman at the well, even though he had just met her for the first time. He told her things about herself and her past that she had kept hidden from everyone. She was shocked and she told Jesus, I perceive that you are a prophet in John 4 and 17. How did he know all of that about her? He just met her. How do you know her past history, that she had had five husbands, that she was living with a man? She was hiding. She had on a good pretense. Well, he was the son of God. But it's an example of the word of knowledge, of the gift of knowledge. He knew some things about her that she didn't think anybody knew. But God used that in her life. And she said, you're a prophet. And later she told everybody in the town, I've met the Messiah. That information was not used to hurt her. It was used to save her and redeem her. But it was an evidence that God gave to her that Jesus was more than a man. Jesus knew about Nathaniel, and he was one of the apostles of Christ, the early followers. But Jesus knew all about Nathaniel before Philip brought him to Jesus. Philip had met Jesus, and these early disciples were beginning to meet him, inviting others, and he brought Nathaniel to see Jesus. And he said, we found the Messiah, is what he told him. Jesus of Nazareth, and Nathaniel was cynical. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's such a small, meaningless town. Would God do anything great? And so he was cynical, thinking, 
you haven't really found the Messiah. So he goes with Philip to meet Jesus. And when he met Jesus, Jesus' foreknowledge about Nathaniel convinced him he was the Messiah. He said, I saw you while you were still sitting under a tree, and he couldn't believe he already knew where he'd been. And when he had that word of knowledge about his life, even where he was the day that Philip went to get him, he said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel, John 1 and 49. The Bible tells us that Jesus knew the thoughts of people before they said a word. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 4, when he healed the man who was crippled on the mat, and he said, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the religious leaders were kind of murmuring among themselves and thinking that he was blaspheming by forgiving sins. And the Bible says that Jesus knew their thoughts. They just hear their words because that would be easy information. He knew what was in their hearts. That's the word of knowledge. He had information about where they were in their heart. It only came because he was the son of God. It came by the spirit. When Paul the apostle preached the gospel, at a public gathering in a town known as Lystra, that's modern-day Turkey. He's preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, and the Bible says that he saw and noticed, perceived a crippled man in the crowd. And suddenly, Paul stopped preaching and addressed the man. He said, Sir, I perceive that you have faith to be healed. Suddenly, the man stood up, and God's miracle of healing happened in his life, according to Acts 14, verse 9. How did Paul know he's preaching a whole crowd of people? And yet he saw that man. He knew something about him that he didn't naturally know. So he stopped his sermon. He said, I perceive, I know something about you. You have faith to be healed. And the man acted and a miracle took place. He said, what does all that mean to us? It means when you don't know what to do, ask God for knowledge first and foremost. While getting the counsel of others is important and helpful, it's not enough to make major decisions. And I can tell you this personally, all the major decisions in my life, all of them have been because at some point I heard from God and knew in my heart what to do. And there have been times when I made major decisions in my life and ministry that proved to be right. Even when a few other people said, well, I'm not really sure about that. I don't really know about that. But I knew and because I knew I had the courage to do it. And every time you can see the direct results because I made the right decision. And I wasn't dependent on other people. You are in charge of your own life. You are in charge of your own life. And nobody can live your life for you. And while other people can teach us and help us and sometimes be a great sounding board, when it comes to the major decisions in your life, they are yours and yours alone. And the good news is the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And if you will be still and take time, God will give you the knowledge and the information you need. And if you listen to everyone in your life, you're going to get confused. It's not their decision. It's your decision. You're the only one responsible for your decisions and actions. And many people today, more and more, especially young people, are feeling somehow that they're not competent enough to make decisions. We're living in what... One sociologist called the cult of the expert. We feel like we got to have an expert to tell us everything. But you keep listening to experts and they disagree with each other. And more and more people are feeling inadequate to make decisions, but you don't need to feel that way. And young people don't need to feel that way. Don't just look at all the facts and, and add up the pros and the cons because you probably don't have all the facts. 
There have been times in my life, and with Barbara early in our marriage, I remember sitting down and writing out pros and cons of something. And there were a whole lot more cons than there were pros. There were a whole lot more reasons why we shouldn't do that and take that kind of risk. It didn't matter. We did what we knew was the right thing to do. And every time it works out, it works out amazingly well when you operate from knowledge and wisdom God gives you. You don't have all the facts. You can put all the pros and cons you want, but the one thing you don't know is the future. And that's why there's a limitation of information. But when God speaks to you, the Holy Spirit gives you knowledge and information and data. You step out, you'll see the benefit of that. So trust God to speak to you. This is what the famous proverb means in Proverbs 1-7. The, the reverence of God is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge starts with asking God. Smart people don't depend on their smarts. We're not as smart as we think we are. At least my mother told me that a couple of times. The word reverence here means that you have a relationship with God and you believe in him and trust him. The Holy Spirit will give you the information and the intuition you need to make the right decision. If you'll take time to ask him and wait upon him and then do what God speaks to you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray for people today that you'll give them a greater sense of independence, to make decisions with confidence, to get information, get counsel, but above all of that, to seek you. And when they know what to do to step out in faith, I pray for those that are facing some major decisions today that in their heart they will know what to do. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me. This is an amazing study. I hope that you'll share it with others as, as we are listening and sharing together, learning about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Subscribe to the Sermon Podcast. Get other people to subscribe to my podcast so we can just spread the Word of God to as many people as we can. I want to thank you for always praying for the church. No matter where you are, right here in Atlanta, active and coming on campus, or whether you are in different parts of the world, but you're a part of the ministry and part of the church. I want to thank you for praying for the ministry. I want to thank you for your tithing and giving to help support the work of the ministry and all that we're doing to preach the gospel of Christ in the world. And I pray you'll have an amazing day. I look forward to seeing you this Sunday for worship. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship, on campus, and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.